Hello, and welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast. I'm Managing Editor Joe Abraham, and here are some of this week's top stories. Western Supper Club and inn owner Irene Nikolai and Calicoon Brewing Company's Patty Moorhead have teamed up to create a plan to bring a train to New York City back to the Delaware. The nonprofit Catskill Explorer is fast-tracking the plan with weekend service proposed for Narrowsburg, Calicoon, and Hancock. Nikolai and Moorhead presented the project to the Delaware Town Board at its meeting last week and explained that the passenger train will connect to New York City through the existing Port Jervis station. Nikolai said the train will allow people from New York City to be able to come to the upper Delaware Valley, especially now that more people are buying homes in the area. Nikolai said, quote, it would be an enormous boost for the economy in the river corridor, and the bonus would be that our residents could easily get into the city or take the train to nearby towns for recreation and shopping. While still in the exploratory stages, the expectation is to connect with the current track that is used for the freight train service, which runs through once a day at night. Nikolai said that they would use existing equipment, which would cut down on cost, and they are researching prices of platforms that would need to be installed. The Catskill Explorer team has reached out to both New York State Senator Mike Martucci and U.S. Congressman Antonio Delgado. Nikolai said that there's much-needed funding available on the state and federal levels. The multi-county project includes Sullivan, Orange, and Delaware counties, and the group has been gathering letters of support. For Calicoon, the Catskill Explorer will tie into the train depot project, which is in the process of being transformed into the Upper Delaware Scenic Byway Visitor Center. Nikolai concluded, quote, it's these types of public-private partnerships that create sustainable development. We are very excited to see this through. For more information, visit www.catskillexplorer.org and read the story on our website, scdemocratonline.com. Staying outdoors, youth hunters received some good news recently. The Sullivan County Legislature passed a resolution forming a local law authorizing 12- and 13-year-olds to hunt in the county. The new law comes after the New York State Legislature adopted a temporary program this year for young hunters and counties that choose to participate. Counties must opt into the new program, which will last until 2023, and notify the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation. It allows 12- and 13-year-old licensed hunters to hunt deer with a rifle, shotgun, muzzle-loading firearm, or crossbow during the hunting season. For more on the law, check out the full story on our website. Members of the Sullivan County law enforcement community were joined by friends and family of Daryl Yates on Saturday for a special dedication at the Smallwood Forest Preserve. Yates, 53, was a lifelong resident of Sullivan County and a well-known constable in the town of Bethel. He passed away unexpectedly in September, and on Saturday, a bench was dedicated in his honor at the Smallwood Forest Preserve. Town of Bethel Supervisor Dan Sturm said, quote, In the town of Bethel, we are extremely grateful to have our constables in addition to the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office and, of course, the New York State Troopers. But our Bethel residents rely first on our Bethel constables. The town and I are grateful for each and every one of you. I think being a police officer takes a special kind of courage as they run towards danger and they are the person residents turn to when they are most desperate. Our police officers, like Daryl Yates, are good, honest, fair, and they care deeply about our community. Yates is remembered by those who knew him as a dedicated public servant and committed member of the Bethel community. Yates, along with his friend and partner, Officer John Panos, were awarded the Citizenship Award from the town of Bethel for saving a drowning man from waters of White Lake in 2011. Sturm said, quote, He was a good police officer. He was a proud officer. And it showed. Now shifting gears a few miles south down Route 55 in the town of Highland, 
Another piece of history has been conserved in Berryville, this time in the front yard of Matthew and Leslie Smith, whose house overlooks the Delaware River. This past Saturday, Town of Highland co-historian Deborah Conway and Sullivan County historian John Conway thanked the Smiths as a new historical marker was dedicated, remembering the former Berryville Shahola suspension bridge at this place. Nearly 30 people joined in the celebration. Credit was also given to Highland's Town of Highway Department for installing the marker, which was funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. The historic marker was obtained by the nonprofit history education group, The Delaware Company, of which Deborah Conway is executive director. For more info on the marker and the events of last Saturday, check out the full story on our website, scdemocratonline.com. And now we'll shift gears to some of the top stories in today's paper. Knotweed is a plant that is an invasive species that originates from Asia and spreads rapidly along streams and river, and it's everywhere in the upper Delaware watershed. There are three types that can be found in this region, Japanese, Giant, and Bohemian, and they emerge in late spring growing into full-size plants by June. At the end of summer, they flower, and in the fall, they turn red and set its seeds. The prolific plant can cause a whole host of problems, such as erosion and soil loss, because its root structure doesn't retain soils. It also crowds out other native plants, like trees and shrubs, leading to a lack of diversity that harmfully impacts the environment. Stephen Schwartz, the project manager for the Knotweed Management Project spearheaded by the Friends of the Upper Delaware River, is seeking to contain, control, and eradicate knotweed. Three test sites have been set up at Skinner's Falls in Coshecton, Hancock Fireman's Field in Hancock, and Will Smith Memorial Park in Deposit. The project uses a variety of management techniques, including cutting, covering with a heavy tarp, spraying herbicide, injecting herbicide into the stem, and goats. Yes, goats. The goal of the project is twofold, to study and measure the knotweed, and to demonstrate management techniques that people can use at their homes. To learn more about the knotweed situation, see the full story on today's front page. Staff writer Isabel Braverman has been working on a couple of different series for our paper, one of which is called Mental Health Matters. In the second installment of the series, she paid a visit to the county's Health and Family Services campus in Liberty. Last Wednesday, employees of those departments mingled outside their respective buildings to hear about what each other are doing, handing out information, and talking about what they're working on. It's something that hasn't been able to happen since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, when we all had to stay in our offices or work from home. Still today, Community services isn't able to accept walk-in patients like they used to. It's by appointment only. And the call for mental health and substance use services has been high. We can't keep up with the post-pandemic demands, said John Little, Sullivan County Commissioner of Health and Family Services. Director of Community Services Melissa Stickle adds that her office sees individuals with complex needs that often include both mental health issues and substance use disorder at the same time. Because of the pandemic, they have a triage protocol in which those with the highest needs get help as quickly as possible and those with lower needs will get scheduled out. There are currently five social workers and two drug and alcohol counselors on staff with around 800 to 900 patients a month. With longtime employees set to retire and open positions that need to be filled, they are experiencing a shortfall of staff. To learn more about how they are combating these challenges, see the full story online or on today's front page. Remaining on the topic of the pandemic, our community lost a true public servant to the coronavirus. You can ask anyone about Alan Wolkoff, and you will get many different answers, but they all center around the theme of serving the community and his family. While serving community was his life mission, being a father and grandfather and being with his family is what drove his heart. 
Unfortunately, after 78 years on this earth, Wolkoff passed away on January 16th due to COVID-19 complications. With Father's Day on Sunday, Wolkoff is remembered as a dedicated family man and mentor to many. Born in the Bronx in 1942, Wolkoff made a life for himself in Rock Hill for the last 50 years and also has been a member of the Rock Hill Fire Department. He has held several positions at the department from firefighter, chief, president, and commissioner. Before his passing, he was serving as a secretary and treasurer of the fire district. Wolkoff was a retired general and structural steel construction personnel. Having worked on many well-known buildings in Sullivan County, such as Cablevision Industries headquarters, Frontier Insurance headquarters, SUNY Sullivan, and most of the county's famous resort hotels. Not only was he active in the fire service, but he was also active in his community. He was a charter member of the Rock Hill Business and Community Association and served 10 years as a member of the Monticello Central School District Board of Education. Moreover, he served as the historian of the town of Thompson from January 2014 until his passing. His wife of 39 years, Judith, is now the town of Thompson historian. To learn more about the impact Wolkoff had in the lives of his family and the community, see reporter-photographer Patricia Robile's story leading today's life section. And finally, facing eviction because they cannot afford the increased rent at their Spark Center located at 184 North Main Street in Liberty, Rural and Migrant Ministry Incorporated has launched an emergency fundraising campaign called Save Our Spark. When RMM first moved into the space, they wanted it to be a spark for change, and that was how its name came to be. Now they are asking for the community's help in keeping the Spark Center a hub of commerce, change, and economic justice for years to come. Facing the possibility of having to move locations for the fifth time in 10 years, RMM is seeking to raise money in order to be able to purchase a permanent home, whether it's their current building or another like it, that they can accommodate the programs they offer in Sullivan County. Currently, RMM has secured a total of $150,000 and are now seeking $80,000 from the community through their Save Our Spark effort. RMM programs housed in the Spark Center include the Youth Economic Group and Cociendo Culturas. For the full story, check out today's paper or visit scdemocratonline.com. To donate to RMM's fundraiser, visit bit.ly bit.ly slash save our spark. That concludes today's edition of the Sullivan County Democrat podcast. To subscribe, call 845-887-5200. Until next time, we hope everyone enjoys the weekend and we'll talk to you next week.